Dotnet Rocks episode 934 with guest Bob Martin. Recorded live Thursday, December 5th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklins.net, makers of GesturePack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Donnie Rocks. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell, and we are at uh, the Norwegian Developers Conference in London in the fishbowl on the floor. It's a little bit noisy here, but uh, we're doing the best we can. Yeah, yeah it's end of day two. We've had a great day. We've been busy, busy, busy. Polished off a bottle of scotch with our friends. That's pretty. That's kind of normal for us, that's really, actually. Happens. And uh, it's the week of the great giveaway on Tuesday. That's Andy right. Smith won, and uh, we gave away uh, an awesome tablet development kit. So I love this job. Any job where you <laughs> so can just much give fun. stuff away, I feel like Oprah. You know, it, my my school counselor never told me that I was going to be mistaken for a Nigerian prince. Yeah, it's really true. <laughs> we, honest to God, Bob, we emailed Andy and said, hey, you've won the $5,000 prices. My wife says I shouldn't respond to That's you because right. you're in Nigeria. But the same thing happened last year. Yeah, Rob, Rob Corbett, Corbett same thing. Just, I don't believe just, this is real. His friends told him not to answer the email. Just send your account number That's to it. me. That's right. I'm like, no, we're trying to give you stuff. We don't need anything right. from you. That's right. We didn't ask for your bank account. But in both cases, we have won them over. That's and, good. Okay. And, and, and had to convince such them. a lot of fun <laughs> spending five thousand dollars on yeah, their behalf. Yeah, like yeah, actually right. building what they need, saying every idea is great and just God it's so much the fun. The best job. It's the best so job. So much fun. I mean, I love Christmas. I Christmas was good before, <laughs> but this was Carl's idea. Two years in a row, I'm like Christmas is awesome. Christmas is awesome. <laughs> All right, let's roll the music for Better Know Framework. Oh, great. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. What do you got? I got something awesome. Mm. Awesome. I like awesome, awesome. awesome. What do you got? Well, if you've done any Node.js, and you, a lot of our listeners probably have, maybe you haven't, maybe you're just toying around, maybe you're waiting for some tools for Visual Studio before you get into Node.js. Well, go to nodejstools.codeplex.com. Oh, no. You'll get Node.js tools for Visual Studio. It's a free open source plugin that turns Visual Studio into a Node.js IDE. Wow. <laughs> and, and this is brand new, too, like yeah. in the past month. Yeah, and it's support, well, November 20th was the last date. Mm -hmm. uh, it supports editing, IntelliSense, profiling, NPM, debugging locally and remotely. Uh, for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, as well as uh, Azure websites and cloud services. Designed, developed, and supported by Microsoft and the community. And, you know, a, a four-and-a-half-star rating average. You know, i got to tell you, buddy, for a while there I was thinking every cool open-source project was on GitHub. Yeah. But that's two now. Yeah. The Pi tools and yeah. these Node.js tools on CodePlex. I'm like, Wow, there's some great stuff. Well, on you Code know, Plus. and Microsoft releases their community stuff on CodePlex. Yeah, 
That's and what it, they and do. And it shows. Like, yeah. this is really interesting stuff. That's really cool. Very cool. Neat. Nice so, find. Yeah. You're knocking it out of the park, man. I love it. All I'm doing is shining a little light. Nice. That's it. I didn't write this. I just found it. <laughs> uh, Nojstools.codeplex.com. Know it, learn it, love it. And please... Share your experiences with us. Yeah, if you found some good stuff, we want to know. And not only that, but if you downloaded this and it's crap, tell us. Yeah. And if it's great, tell us too. Yeah, I'd love to, yeah, love we, to know more about what people are doing. We just want your feedback, so uh, tell us. But anyway, Richard, who's talking to us? Hey, you know what? Uh, in honor of our guest, I jumped back into the archive all the way to July of 2011. Oh, my God. So that this was so is long a show, ago. This is show number 678. So, you know, 250 shows ago, this is a show we did at NDC, and I don't even remember, I mean, 2011, we did NDC in June. Uh, I think we it was the end of the day. We were half in the bag, and we talked to Bob. <laughs> uh, we, we were not sober in this show. No. And we <laughs> I think talked, there's a pattern here. Yeah, we talked about closure. Oh, sure. Yeah, so this is funny. a show we did on closure, and this comment comes from Ryan Riley. And he says, I've been catching up. And so he, and he posted this comment a year ago. So the show's two years old. The comment's a year old. I've been catching up on old shows and recently came upon this one. I always enjoyed listening to Uncle Bob talk about closure. However, closure doesn't inspire this comment. When I heard Carl comment on using F sharp for web programming, I was excited because it had been one of my main goals with my free time to use F sharp. Of course, your conclusion was that it wasn't a good fit because you would need to make it synchronous. Oh. I think by now you would disagree with that comment because of the inherent asynchrony of ASP.NET Web API. And we and for those who don't know, because we're actually publishing this out of order, we just finished doing the Web API panel, right? which will be published later than this show. Yeah. If you'd like to see more reasons and uses for F-Sharp on the web, check out Daniel Moles O'Reilly's book, Web, Cloud, and Mobile Solutions with F-Sharp. He covers a number of excellent F-Sharp patterns and libraries, including WebSharper and my own Frank, which apparently Ryan's involved in, the latter of which is a pipeline composition library built on top of Web API. And speaking of WebSharper, I think we'd enjoy having Adam Grazik of IntelliFactory on the show to talk about that and his web-based API for building WebSharper applications. They've built some pretty interesting applications with it, including staff, genome visualizer for the university of nebraska and thanks for the excellent shows and that's from ryan riley so cool comment man like just really interesting we're all exploring these new languages to find better ways to do software enclosure is one approach and f sharp's another approach and the patterns are still emerging of the right way to build these projects so it's exciting to me that ryan's getting out there and doing it uh, the same way that all of us are in finding different things. So, Ryan, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We build them for Android, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatime Enterprises. Who'd love to build you now? Just go to DiatimeEnterprises.com. And with that, it's time to welcome back to the show none other than Bob Martin. Uncle Bob. Hello. Who needs no introduction? He is—he's the guy. He's the man. He's the man. Yeah. Just or Google. Something. Just Google Uncle Bob, and you'll know what we're talking about. 
So what is a staph genome visual? Uh, come on. Oh, I'm totally with you, man. I'm, I'm sending an email right now to Ryan to say, we need to know more about this crazy project. What is that well, all about? So is it, is, it the, is it the genome of the staph in your company, or is it Staphylococcus aureus? It, yeah, S-T-A-P-H. It's the staph infection. Ah, staph infection. Staph That's infection. it. Okay. Genomes right. of staph infection. It's, it's not a Gattaca throwback. Here. No, well, I mean, you could go there. You got a staff <laughs> infection? Back of the room. Okay. <laughs> if that's where you want to go. You know, when that movie came out, it was it was really future-looking, and it doesn't feel that way anymore, does it? Well, <laughs> yeah, between 23 and me, and like we know a lot about the genome now, and it's becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. At what point did we, we start inserting this into our hiring process? Ooh, what a thought. Chilling. Yeah. Hmm. You know, the problem now is that you and I bumped into each other last night and had a lovely drink and went <laughs> way <two. laughs> off the rails on our <clears throat> science fiction oh and technology goodness, yes. We way off the rails. Was it a lovely drink? Or, or was it a nasty drink? No, no. We, oh, had, yeah. a, we had a couple of Woodfords and... and I have now got a few new books on my Kindle, and yep, I suspect yep. you have a few new books on your Kindle. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, so, I mean, from a context of Adonai Rocks, we were pretty far off the rails, but I, we don't necessarily do, I, I, who knows where this is going to go. All right. All so things can are we, possible. Can we get to programming? Oh, sure. Why now not? Now you're yeah, just talking yeah, crazy talk. As long as we don't spend too can, much time there. Uncle Bob, let me tell you, what is the biggest disaster that you have seen in the programming world in the last year? Whoa. Okay, well, there's only one answer to that, isn't there? And that's the uh, the healthcare.gov debacle. I, you know, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably did know I was going to say that. And a couple of times now, Carl has said to me, dude, you should be working on Because I've was i always made I, my living as a performance guy. He's a scalable guy. I say, dude, why didn't they call you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and at least, hey, implement a queue and show all that stuff. Take their name and address and say, we'll get back to you. Yeah. Come on, a throttle. people. Just a throttle. A throttle. So at least a few people okay. would get through. What so were they you, thinking, what? Bob? I don't know what they were thinking. That's, and I would like to know what they were thinking. Nice. Millions of dollars. <laughs> and what were they thinking? Well, Billions of there's dollars. There's been a couple of news pieces out that talk about they're blaming it on Oracle. <laughs> really? They're blaming it on Oracle. That's of course awesome, it's Oracle's actually. fault. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's anybody, anybody really, else. really I am awesome. not a big fan of Oracle, but even I read this piece and goes, are you Come shitting on. me? Really? <laughs> it's Oracle's No fault. one group of people can make a mess this big. Yeah. It takes a team effort. It takes yeah. a large yeah, group of people working does. really hard to make a mess this big. So I find it very disturbing. And I find it disturbing because here is a... A public policy, whether you agree with it or not, right. uh, passed through Congress, law of the land, and it's being thwarted by a software failure. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Th- that's us. That's, you know, we're the programmers, and it's, it somehow sits on our, our lap that this public policy is being thwarted. But is it a software failure? Is it a failure of the entire... Uh, process mm. which involves um, you know requirements which you know in Washington because of the nature of Washington change up to the minute and you know because of the way influence works you know there's from the story of- I heard there the, the 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 developers were getting requirements you know a month oh, before sure. the deadline sure sure 
Sure. You know, and trying to integrate, talk about an integration problem. They're integrating with every insurance company in the United States, right? Yeah. No, That's no an doubt integration they had terrible problem. problems and it was awful and politics yeah. got involved and all kinds of terrible things like that, but they launched it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the they problem. They launched it, and there were people who must have known that yeah. this was not launchable. Right. Where were they when, you know, the day before they launched, they're all sitting there going, well, actually, they really shouldn't launch this. Yeah. And those guys were very likely programmers, uh, yeah. tech leads, um, project managers who all knew. And then somehow work. that thing got launched anyway yeah. and maybe they all felt powerless and maybe they all sat there or, or maybe they were being passive aggressive or maybe they were in fear of their job yeah. maybe they were republicans <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> seriously i, you know, I was okay. gonna say the canadian <laughs> in this room is gonna go sit in the corner and be very quiet <laughs> no no i'm oh. serious you know <laughs> developers are democrat or republican you know maybe they were republicans <laughs> they and they and wanted your it to implication fail. is that they wanted it to fail. Maybe okay. some of them did. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, th there must have been a Democrat programmer <laughs> who knew <laughs> that this thing should not have been. Yes, launched. Uncle Bob, I, I agree. <laughs> there must have been. There must have been. <laughs> so my the thing that bothers me about that is that that our industry is having a greater and greater effect on society. Yeah. yeah. And if we don't get it under some kind of control, if, if we keep allowing these disasters to happen, then eventually society will decide that we need to be regulated. Being government. Being government. We will be legislated. Do. And so, you know, Wasn't I would like healthcare.gov the result of overregulated? Uh, well, we could have that debate. You yeah. Know. Yes, yes. Yeah, but yeah, not of I the mean, software industry being regulated. Okay. Yeah. This was straight legislature that was supposed to be manifest as software, yep. and it has failed. And it has failed. Even if they fix it, even if tomorrow the it's stain perfect, is there. it's already failed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big deal, and that falls on us. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I read today that more people signed up for healthcare.gov in the first two days of December than in all of October. Well, wow. <laughs> okay, fine. We hope. <laughs> right? So apparently they did something. Yeah, I, th I think they're probably getting it back working now. Yeah. But like you said, it's it's too it'll late always be to get the first impression. Well, yeah. you know, uh, the Denver airport delivers baggage now. Yeah, <laughs> right. But you know, but the first three months, they just lost bags every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they had to shut that down for yeah. a while. Heathrow Terminal Five <laughs> lost every bag for almost a week. Oh, that's right. Right. I forgot about that. But. Event, I mean, when, immediately. You're talking about when they just built Terminal 5. When Terminal 5 yeah. was brand new, yeah. and they had a new software system that was running baggage handling, and it didn't work. And they just lost all the bags for days. Right. <laughs> right. How do you turn that on? Yeah. yeah. Right? How did you how turn on? How did you not put a bag through the system? Like, how did you lose everybody's bag for a week? <laughs> Oops. It's pretty awesome. That's bad. <sighs> so it is. It's bad. You are one of the core people behind software craftsmanship. That that responsibility, that mindset of we it's, are it's craftsmen. a passion of mine. Certainly. Yeah, yes. And 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 in, I've seen. I think it was in two thousand eight. The most one of the most brilliant keynotes I've ever seen was yours on craftsmanship. On it is our responsibility as developers to be responsible for the product right. we made. Right. And I think this is where you're walking towards. Is like. 
It doesn't matter that it was government. It doesn't matter who the customer was. We as developers failed that day and failed four days because we allowed a product that didn't work, that we knew didn't work, be deployed anyway. Hey, you can do my keynote for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. You like that? that? You're all in? Passion was there. (laughs) I'm just going to kind of sit back now. But I'm embarrassed too. (laughs) No, you should be. Everybody should be. This was a big, big failure, and and it's not the only one, and it's hopefully it's the biggest one we see. But my great fear is that we'll see some some disaster, some software disaster that'll kill ten thousand people. Yeah. Well, I I fought against Y two K, right? I was I made a lot of money. Did you that year? You know, Cobalt programmer ninety eight ninety nine. <laughs> Fixing and testing. Uh, we I was working on a port space system, a system that handled port traffic. But yeah, yeah. we we made a lot of money because <laughs> everybody knew two thousand was going to be a big deal. And in my heart of hearts, like deep down, I thought this is the moment. This is the point where we become a professional industry because because the bridge is going to fall down because we're going to break the world with this bug, and society's going to say, yeah, you can't do that anymore. That's that's enough. Yeah, Clearly, yeah, you people aren't yeah, qualified. Yeah. We're going to have to get some people who are qualified. And, and we, we got squeaked, away with it. We got away with it. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We, sque- end, we squeaked it by. Almost no consequences at all. And we had lots of warning. Arthur C. Clarke had written his yep. book long before talking about it. And well, everybody kind of went, ooh. We had a pretty big government mandate, right? I mean, yeah, all the banking yeah, systems yeah. were tested in July of 99. But we still, I mean, healthcare.gov is just the latest in a series of periodic failures of, of significant software yeah. that had clear deadlines, yeah. clear requirements. Well, well, <laughs> in terms of when the deliverable yes, was and yes. what it was supposed yeah. to do. I mean, everybody knew when it was supposed to come online and what it was supposed to do. Right. Uh, do you blame the devs? Uh, to some extent, I blame the devs. I mean, the, the junior programmers obviously couldn't do anything right. about it. But there had to have been some senior guys yeah. who were technical, team leads, project leaders, architects who knew. Yeah. Who just knew that was not going to happen and did not speak up. Or now, if they did, if they, they were drowned out. What if they spoke up and were told, uh, shut up? They didn't speak up loud enough. Mm. Yeah. You can, you know, but you, you, I mean, you, you, you're dancing towards the engineering discipline. Yes. In the end, the engineer. And the engineering responsibility. Yes. God, I would you, love to interview some of the guys. Those guys. Somebody signed project. off. Somebody signed off. Right? Or, I mean, it, that's the real problem, is that you don't have to sign off. The guy that starts to turn it on, the guy starts to turn it on. In theory, if you're building a bridge as an engineer, and somebody decides to put in inferior concrete, can you actually stop? You can refuse to sign, but can sure. you actually stop them? Well, I think you can. And, right. and, and, and to that point, and they should have. And they should have. Uh, but but mm-hmm. there's a risk to doing that. Because one way to stop them is to go get one of the news anchors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the only way to stop them. Well. It's certainly in our industry. It is a way, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole thing when you're an engineer is you're backed by a board that is more politically savvy than you are as an individual mm-hmm. engineer and has more clout. And right. when you say, this is not followed specification, they're there to back you. And we don't have that in computing. Yeah, that's right. We just don't. Yeah, we don't. Who yeah. were those guys going to call when whoever owned this healthcare.gov overrode them and said, we're doing it anyway? Yeah, and they don't. there's no board. There's no um, 
panel. There's nothing yeah. like that. So the, the only option they'd have would be to yell out enough for a news agency to catch or, right. or maybe one of the upper officials to, to catch. But we didn't hear anything about that. No. We should have heard before. We should I mean, have heard re- There should have been more noise. Yeah, I'm sure there were guys down there who were yelling, and, and very likely there was the game of telephone that got played. When right. the developers said it can't be shipped, and, and the next guy up said, well, it probably can't be shipped, and the next guy up said, well, maybe it can't be shipped, and then the next guy said, maybe it can, and then it finally got to definitely we're shipping. We're shipping it, because yeah. it's the deadline. But, but that guy down at the bottom who said, no, we can't be shipped, should have had a louder voice, should have yeah. yelled it louder, should have made it made it audible well, and i'm still battling with it was yeah. it his responsibility was the system failing him well the system was failing him but Without the systems doubt. fail I, I i i get a feeling that at that point it's either you know he does a snowden and fears for his life well or yeah, okay. and loses his job i don't think you have to break the law yeah but he or might lose you? his job maybe might lose, uh, his job. You'll lose your job for sure yeah yeah, yeah. but okay yeah. that's that's kind of the pact you make when you Enter a profession that can harm people. Sure. Yeah. Right? When you get back to what is real craftsmanship, I refuse to ship an, an inferior product. Yeah. Or I, I will not do harm. I will not yeah. harm people. I, not. The work I do will not be used to make harm. Yeah. So that's hard, but. You know, we don't hear about Bob. We don't hear about stuff that has been stopped mm. by a group of, of software professionals said, no, you cannot ship this. We don't hear about You it. never yeah, hear about right. that. You don't. We've heard about a handful of. Where that's failed, catastrophic disasters. But I mean, how many times has somebody done right? Because I've I've actually worked on a project where the team knew it wasn't going to work, and they helped, they involved me to help senior management understand it wasn't going to work, and we stopped. Yes, we stopped and took the time to do things right. Mm. And senior management looked at the data and said, yeah, we yeah. got to stop this. Well, I, I, I was just allowed, you know, they brought me in as the loudest voice. Okay. It's like, I agree right. with the development. This is going to be a disaster, <laughs> you know, and for whatever reason, they were listening to me and I'm, you know, I'm noisy. So well, there you go. That's good. And he, and he's like, and you pay me a lot of money to say what your people have been saying to you. That's what a consultant is. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just an amplifier. Yeah. Sometimes we amplify their intelligence. Sometimes we amplify their <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> you know, it all depends on who's paying us. But, yeah, I, it's still an intr- extraordinary disaster. Yeah. And the funny thing yeah. is, and I'm coming this from a Canadian perspective, but I thought the Democrat size was the hip technical group. Because you guys, <laughs> you guys did some pretty cool stuff around the last election. It was really neat. What the hell happened yeah, here? We don't understand you know, the, that, do we? The thing is, it was just money that was paid to consulting companies that did the work. You know, there was no Democrat technology. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Do we need to politicize <laughs> software? That's a damn shame. Yeah. It was really all, all just uh, about big contracts. And when you have big contracts, big problems happen. I mean, geez, look at Boston, the big dig, right? How long, oh, yeah. did, oh, how yeah. long did that take? Anytime there's a significant amount of money, it takes too long, and more people get into it, and they want to extend it as long as they can. And, you know, hey, when we can't extend it, Oh, well, it's not going to be done in time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. And, and so it wasn't done on time and it went way over budget, but they weren't letting people drive cars through it when it was flooded with water. No, that's true. <laughs> or pieces <laughs> were falling out of the ceiling. Yeah. 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 No, it, well, uh, exactly. <laughs> what's the one, right? Well, there was the one. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that's the nature of big, yeah. big contracts. Sure. Yeah. Big government contracts. That wouldn't have been surprising. If healthcare.gov had stumbled and, and you know, 
two weeks before October 1st, they said, ah, this isn't ready. Yeah. Nobody would have been surprised. Okay, another big project. And Whatever. They del- and they delayed it. And they Instead delayed. of opening, we're opening in November. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or yeah, November, December, you know, whatever. Here's, here's the problem, though. The politicians think, you know, well, you got to open the website because it's a website. What what could be the problem, right? <laughs> you sign up. Like, right? We, have, we, we no, have people in charge who have no idea the scope of the problem. This is not a big deal. Just open the website. Come on. My brother yeah. can do this in access, right? Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Teenagers are putting up websites yeah. every day. Yeah. Every day. This is just yeah. a website. What's the matter, guys? Come on. Man. Well, found out. Yeah. We found out there's a matter. Yeah. <laughs> and it does matter. So, yeah, I guess we would have been better off postponing the opening so they could get those things finished. Yeah, sure. But sure. That's what happened effectively. Effectively. Anyway. Yeah, Politically, you're right. that just wasn't going to happen. Though. Yeah. That's but, yeah, problem. and that's the interesting part about it. I think there was a group of people who were very keen to have that site open. Well, that's a fascinating up. observation. I mean, were, was that a decision made at a very high level to say, this thing's going to blow up and we're going to let it? Yeah. At the highest levels? But but yeah. I think it's just so who Richard who said never attribute to malice what can be explained with stupidity yeah that, and Napoleon <clears throat> Napoleon said yeah right. well okay whoever said it first was probably a caveman right because <laughs> this is wisdom right I mean yeah. the, obviously the politicians aren't smart enough to know that this was going to fail easier to attribute to stupidity well there was stupidity somewhere along yeah, the line there's some. There's obviously some serious stupidity going on. That being said, on. I mean... Because if you think Obama knew that this was going to happen, you think he would have released it? Come I on. can't imagine. I, I can't, can't imagine, imagine that would have happened. I don't know. Or at least he would have done it differently. He may have still released it, but he wouldn't have looked so blindsided. Because that really didn't do him any favors. No, no. Without no, a doubt. Certainly no, no. Or the Or the law, or the... Because that anybody. being said, I have people. certainly found cases where sites have been overwhelmed or sure. have sold yeah. out... And that's really actually good marketing, right? Where you let it be overwhelmed. Yeah. Because the story oh, well, of never so many people oh. came in, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you we got to ramp it up. We're going to pause now. Yeah. I'm really sorry. We yeah. had no idea the demand was so high. And that's, you, you think yeah, you if see, they knew it was going to be they overwhelmed, spun it that they would have spun it back. Yeah. Yeah. But they be- got completely taken back. Yeah. So- because, you know. Lululemon does it better than that, right? <laughs> then they just they just sell see-through pants, <laughs> and they can figure out how to pitch an overwhelmed website. You think these guys would figure it out? <laughs> okay, well there you go. So the fact that they missed the opportunity, and how cynical is it that I'm saying this? They missed the opportunity to spin this failure. Into a good story, yeah. sort of speaks to they were blindsided. They were blindsided. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then how? You know, how were they blindsided? Doesn't that speak to the whole development cycle that you can't be honest in a cycle? You know. Well, yeah. How many organizations have I had where there's guys at the bottom that know it's a problem, but telling the truth up gets you fired? Mm. So I'm just gonna. It's not not my responsibility to tell the truth. Well, and up. that's that's what I don't like. Yeah, that, that, that's that what's frightening. Passive aggressive, you know. Well, it's their problem. I'm not going to do anything about it. But is it, doesn't this start at the top with sure. accepting that failure is a possible outcome, and we need to know it more than we need to punish it? Of course. But of course, but it, it is, does. But is it working? Right? Like, no, I can't tell <laughs> you how many organizations like, oh no, I can't say that. But it's the truth. Yeah, but the truth gets my ass fired. Right, and I need to protect my job as long as I'm incented. To tell the, the the political lie, I'm going to tell it. 
Well, and you, you kind of hope that people, you know, you get whistleblower laws and you kind of hope that people will be rewarded for telling the truth. Yeah, whistleblowers laws haven't but, worked well in your country yes, recently. Yes, 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 yes. So, but but uh, beyond that, I mean, irrespective of that, you get back to something that you represent, which is we're supposed to be professionals here. Well, so the responsibility is with the people who and, know. And to my industry, to my peers, not to my customer. Yes. I think that's the biggest conflict. And the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, they've got this. They do. I am responsible yes. with my industry first and my customer second. And so I must tell the truth. There is a code of ethics. Yeah. Right. And we're just fighting for that. You've been the advocate for this for a while. One of them. Yes. And, and here we are in a, in a place where that freaking failed big time. Like, then that's a, that's frightening. How are we going to be a profession? Well, we got to solve that problem. <laughs> we have to come up with a code Bob, of ethics. You have these and a set of disciplines and a set of practices and, <laughs> and minimum us, levels that we don't go below. And yeah, we have to, we have to do what the doctors and the lawyers and the architects and the engineers have all done in the past. I've oh, all figured geez. out. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Oh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to light up Lululemon and order <laughs> me some yoga pants. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait. Buffering. Please wait. Oh. All right, I guess I'll have to do that later. In the meantime, let's give away a Telerik Devcraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the Dunder Rocks. I love real-time joke writing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what are we giving away? Uh, but before I tell you who won, let me tell you about Telerik Icinium, which lets you develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript, all from within Visual Studio. These capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery Mobile, as well as integrated testing and deployment capabilities. All this makes Icinium a robust end-to-end -end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com slash dnr. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash dnr. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Awesome, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Simon Crop. Congratulations, Simon. Simon wins a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That's everything Telerik does in one box, a $2,000 value. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. It only takes a few minutes, and uh, you could win. Every show we give away stuff. Every December, mm -hmm. we give away... $5,000 worth of stuff to some lucky member of the Dot Network. We Fan just Club. did that this week? Yeah, that's right. We did. We gave away a $5,000 uh, tablet mobile development uh, machine to mm -hmm. Andy Smith. Yep. Computers, tablets, everything he needs to build across the platforms for uh, tablet apps. So it pays to listen and it pays to be a member of the fan club. Nice. Yeah. And uh, we'd like to ask our guests. Bob Martin, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? Ooh, wow. What would I buy? Uh, well, I, I don't have a really big monitor yet. 
which I should probably. You know, have. that's something that a lot of developers coming up every don't so often. spend think about- on themselves. Yeah, most I think it's the wife acceptance factor. Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, how many you've how many uh, you get a given monitor? How many machines do you keep it for? You know, like I keep the monitor, I keep replacing the computer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, because the computer you have to recycle computers. Sure, because you can. Yeah, you can justify I need a new computer. Right. Yeah, but yeah, can yeah, you yeah, justify yeah. I need a bigger monitor? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's hard. And I do think we're in a breakthrough threshold. The 4K monitors are starting to land. Thirty-eight forty by twenty-one sixty. Right in a thirty-inch screen, <laughs> that is serious nice. resolution. You could have Minecraft in one corner and some, <laughs> some code in the I other just don't corner. Know we we're all over forty in this room. <laughs> some of us very over forty. Are our eyes good enough? I mean, that's a three hundred DPI screen. Remember that was a good printer. Yes, and now it's a screen. You need to. You may need to bump up to one hundred twenty-five percent font or one hundred fifty. Now I use these variable, variable. Oh, you rifles. got the progressives. Oh yeah, I got my first ones. These are my first pair of progressives. Oh, yeah. Forty-six. And all you have to do is kind of look way. Yeah, up look up. High. You know what? When I through the bottom of the glasses. When I got these things, put them on, did the reading thing, and went. Oh man, this is so much better. Like, I love I can, these I can glasses. See. I can see. I can, I can read and I can walk around without bumping into things. Yeah, it does Simple. Help. It didn't it, does help. it didn't seem that hard. And if you're listening to this going, what the hell are they talking about? Just wait. <laughs> it's coming you for you, man. This will happen to you. <laughs> That's right. It yeah. certainly Thinking will. Those old guys. <laughs> I had never I never used to care about how much light was in a room before I read something. <laughs> and then this stuff just started happening to me. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. We should get back to work here, actually. <laughs> and, you know, just as a check while we're online, went to healthcare.gov. Yeah. No page available. Nah. Really? Yeah. Maybe that's... You got a 404? You're in the UK. Maybe that's... Yeah, maybe they're just blocking me. I mean, it redirected to an HTTPS page. So, clearly, something's on the other end. Mm. But uh, couldn't actually get the page to come. You know, up. it makes sense that they would uh, block or redirect stuff from from. They outside would not the US. prioritize anything outside. Yeah, of the US. that yeah. makes total I sense. Think I can buy that. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Very interesting. Uncle Bob, mm. what happened to extreme programming? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what happened to extreme programming? So let me tell you the story here. Um, the whole. Um, Agile movement began in like 98, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there had been some papers written even as early as 95 about Scrum. Um, nothing really happened there. And then, and then Kent Beck comes along and, and he coins this word, this extreme programming word, uh, which seems to take off. And he laces the whole topic with these, these interesting practices. Pair programming, test first design, continuous integration. He has these nice short sound bites. Right. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, it's a masterful marketing job. He does a terrific, terrific job of it. Um, and it catches everybody's attention. And the whole world just spun upside down. Right. Um, and we were all going, oh, what is this? I thought we were supposed to be doing RUP. I thought we were supposed to be doing waterfall. Yeah. What's this extreme programming thing? And um, we, um, we played with that for a while, and then a bunch of us got together in Snowbird in 2001, and we claimed this idea of Agile, and we brought the Scrum folks back in, and we brought the FDD people in, and the DSDM people, and we, we had this lovely meeting, and we coined the whole notion of Agile, and Agile became the new thing, uh, which, 
I think most of us thought was going to be just another word for extreme programming. Right. Hmm. It didn't work out that way. The the scrum people caught in there, and the scrum people started um, doing some really smart marketing stuff. Um, they started doing these uh, certified scrum masters. Yeah, masters, yeah. That, right? and that really sort of was a point of contention for a lot of people. Because, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because these guys were coming out of nowhere becoming scrum masters and making a sh- of money. Well, it did turn out to, to be run a meeting. Lucrative. Uh, lucrative for the instructors, lucrative for the scrum masters. It also became this um, piece of paper that people had to have. Right. Organizations would demand that you go and get your registration. So it just caught on like fire and and, and people started getting these these uh, certifications. The certifications were in Scrum, which was not laced with the development practices of extreme programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the iterative development loop was there, but the test-driven development, the pair programming, the continuous integration, the simple design, the refactoring, none of that was there. And so um, we started seeing these projects that were driven in an agile way, in an uh, iterative way, but did not have development practices. And so they started to spin out of control. They right. would start to slow down. Martin Fowler at some point called this uh, flaccid scrum. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I never heard that scrum one. Scrum without the development practices. Well, we heard, you know, we heard it called agile, but. Yes. We're yeah. agile, but we don't do this. Or yeah. we only do this, yeah. you know. Yeah. So then... What happened, and this is very weird, um, Scrum appeals more to project managers than to developers. Yeah. Because it's, it's non-technical. So the project managers, who are all getting their certif- certifications, stream into the Agile community and literally take it over. Uh, all the conferences go in a project management direction. Everybody's thinking about different ways to manage projects. Should we be doing lean? Should we be doing uh, Kanban? You know, what is the project right. management flavor of the day? And the programmers are all left behind. Right. And so the programmers are going, well, what, what the heck happened to us? Where, where are we in this? Hey, yeah. Um, what happened to our the, goals? We're the guys that actually have to do this stuff. We started this. How, how come those guys are off running? And the, the reason the craftsmanship movement started was as a kind of counter to that, as a right. way to say, hey, we're still here. So that's what happened to extreme programming from the time it was born until now. What we're seeing now is that all this agile stuff going on is insufficient, inadequate. Um, you know, did, was, was uh, healthcare.gov, was there agile going on in there? I don't know. No way to tell. No way to yeah. tell. Who cares? Right. And nobody wants to associate with it because it's a failure <laughs> right? on top of everything else. So I think extreme programming is, it may not come back with those words, but those practices are getting reasserted. The craftsmanship movement is bringing those practices back in and shoving them back into these agile quote-unquote projects. Well, isn't it sort of being uh, sort of decomposed into its li- smaller parts? Like people say they do pair programming. They yeah. don't say or they do... Or test first. Or test first. Yeah. They don't say they do extreme programming. No, they, they won't, probably never will again. Yeah, and they yeah. never will again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. But they'll be doing extreme programming. But, yeah. 
I mean, part of that, you think back to when that name was new. That was the beginning of the X Games. And oh, like, yeah. There was an extreme culture. Yeah. That extreme I think has, sports. Yeah. People leaving yeah. off of helicopters. Which I think is sort of diminished. And these well, days, they're all they, dead. Well, they just, yeah, <laughs> they didn't live very long. But I think it's also just you called extreme, sports now. Yeah, right? it's called sports. Yeah. The same way that I'm starting to feel like you don't hear agile very often anymore. You hear more often software development. Mm, well, like, we hope. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's become the practice in in some respects that yeah you you have a bigger ownership you have a routine conversation with the with the stakeholders like those pieces have just become part of the vernacular and it doesn't need a title anything beyond I'm building software yes like I think that's a good outcome and in some ways that that's an old name from the nineties oh, yeah. that feels uncomfortable I think it's a very good outcome so I, I did a poll in the um, the class that I taught here. Um, I asked how many people are doing test-driven development. I, I think I had, um, I don't know, maybe 150 people in the room or something right. like that, but half of them had their hand in the air saying, we're doing test-driven development. Wow. Now, that's something I've been tracking over the years. You know, sure. How many people raised their hand when I asked that question? And, and it's been trending upwards. Okay. So I think you're right. This is just becoming software development. Yes. And maybe in another five, six, seven years... You'll have the full suite of XP practices. Everybody will be doing it. They won't yeah. call it extreme programming. No. Because it won't be extreme. But it'll be what they're doing. Yeah. When I think culturally it's become acceptable and yes. processes are becoming obvious and the tooling is making it easy. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's Component1Spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers. Now we've got mob programming. Have you heard of this? <laughs> no. Well, no, tell we, me. We interviewed a couple of uh, guys that have found that sitting uh, against the screen, one guy is the driver writing code, and three or four other guys in the team all sit behind him sort of making suggestions and, you know, and, and throwing out... What Fishbowl programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they yeah, call yeah. it mob but programming, and they essentially having four brains with one driver. <laughs> and they've found that this reduces uh, errors and, and makes better software. And, you know, and I asked them, do you recommend this for all teams? And they said no, and, you know, which is a great agile response, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't say everybody should do this. We say if you think that your team can benefit from, uh, you know, if this solves a problem for you, right. then this it's, it solved our problem. You, you could know. see a critical yeah. piece of code, um, something that's got a lot of business value and it's complicated, and you get a team of people around there and you put it together over the course of a day yeah. with a bunch of brains watching it. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, yeah. It's makes, right? it's it just makes perfect sense. A couple sense. of other pairs of eyes. Yeah. The, the big thing that I got from Woody Zool's yeah. conversation around mob programming was, as long as it's two pairs of eyes, you've got one guy writing it and one guy overseeing it. But mm -hmm. Once you get a couple other pairs, somebody else is on a laptop searching to yeah. see if this has been done before. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So it's like suddenly 
you know, partway through figuring this out and implementing, he's like, oh, I found a library. And it's never the other pair of eyes that would find the library. Right, not the author. It's the other guys in the room that sort of steps that up another level. Which, I, yeah, I find that really interesting. Yeah. We are willing to explore some of these other development models now. But, yeah, I think pieces of this have been adopted. I guess we have to sort of figure out what hasn't been and figure out what we really need. So it's, it's funny because these things were wildly controversial 13 years ago. Yes. And now they're just becoming you know, the way we do things. Right. Uh, and more and more people are adopting these practices that, you know, a decade ago, nobody would have thought of doing. That was crazy talk. Yeah. It was extreme. Nice. Now it's just programming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, exciting times. But it, yeah. it sort of speaks. And, and at the same time, I mean, we led this conversation off with a, a shocking failure on the part of our profession, too. So, I mean, obviously, some good that's coming from yeah. this. And we, and we are making some progress. But still doesn't feel like we're really a profession when we allow uh, this to happen. I tell you, we're in a race because the, the, the pieces are all there to have a, a professionalism and craftsmanship movement. Yep. Uh, but will the disaster overtake us? Right. At least in Canada, they talk about this thing called the Iron Ring event. It was a bridge that collapsed, mm. and the engineers that were involved with it made rings from the crumpled metal of the bridge. Ah. Uh, sort of, this, we're all going to wear a symbol of our failures to make sure this doesn't happen again. And it cool. Helped. Like, where's yeah. our yeah. Iron Ring event? Right. I wear my green band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it from? It's um, um, somebody put it on me a long time ago, yeah. and um, it became a symbol of. A commitment to ethics and professionalism. Right. Oh, wow. And so I give them away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You go to cleancodeproject.com. Nice. And um, you have to make a donation to some charity. I have a list of them there. Yeah. And then I'll send you a batch of these rings. And I get people doing this all the time. We, we do um, uh, tons of charity work that way. But it does speak to this idea that we are held to an ideal of our profession. Yeah, absolutely. More yeah. than our giving customer. Right. We need to speak up if we see stuff done wrong. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really interesting. <laughs> so we were talking last night. Uh, we it were. was late as I I came in from a uh, from another thing. You'd just gotten here. Yeah, it was about midnight. Yeah, yeah. had a, had a cocktail. Yeah. Went said hi. I mean, we've met, spent some time with each other over the years, and uh, and I, we had a great conversation because we did not talk about. So I don't think we talked about software at all. <laughs> we pretty much tore directly into science fiction. That's true. Yeah, and there were was there parts of that you wanted to talk about yeah well you had mentioned uh in that discussion after um some bourbon um about the orion spaceship you just mentioned it in passing yes project orion right and that got me thinking because this is something i often bring up in my uh, in my discussions with with folks i do a, a science lecture at the beginning of most of my talks really um yeah i'd like five minutes just to kind of set the stage uh, and one of them that I talk about often is Project Orion. Okay. Which is this project that was was the founding project of the ARPA. Uh, all these old Manhattan pro scien yep. you know, project scientists who back were told, hey, get us off the planet. Well, and then back in the 50s when, you know, nuclear power would save the world. Yeah, Atomics were an amazing thing. So you got you know, Freeman Dyson yeah. is one of these guys, a bunch of, bunch of guys whose names you would know mm -hmm. are trying to figure out how to get off the planet. And they come up with this scheme, and it's a beautiful scheme. Right? You, you you take a big thick piece of metal, you put shock absorbers on it. Right. Uh, you put a payload on top of that. You drop atomic bombs out the bottom and blow them up. <laughs> Fire them, and they will push you away every time. <laughs> okay. So this, at first it sounds stupid, but then 
you look at the plans, and the plans are actually gorgeous. Right? Yeah. Little tiny kiloton devices, uh, um, uh, the amount of uranium that's in a golf ball. Right. So golf ball-sized devices, you throw them out the back end, you blow them up, you get little booms. Yeah. Little kiloton-sized booms, and you ride them into orbit. If I remember correctly, like they were talking about going half the speed of light. Like the, the potential speed of an Orion spacecraft was so much faster than anything we conceived of at the time. Yeah, I think if you used thermonuclear devices, you might get up to that speed. Right. With just raw fission devices, maybe not. But even with fission devices, cheap, easy-to-build fission devices, you could circumnavigate the solar system. Sure. Because the, the rocket or the ship can hold 10,000 of these things. Right. And it only takes 20 to get to orbit. You know, it takes another 10 to get to the moon. You yeah. want to go to Mars, you burn another 15 if yeah. you want to go slow. If you want to go fast, you burn 100. Right. Right? You go to go to the moon and back in a day. You go to Mars, it takes a couple of days. Right. And you don't have to wait until Mars comes into opposition every yes. two years, right? Yeah. Go, you point, and you go. Yeah. Uh, you want to get to Jupiter? Okay, take a week. It's a little further. Yeah. But a ship like this could circumnavigate the solar system yeah. easily and return with half of its fuel on it. Yeah. A true interplanetary spacecraft. You guys should have your own Geek Out podcast. Oh, listen, man. That was so freaking cool. The Bob Martin and Richard Campbell science fiction podcast. I love it. The payload of this thing is a, is a little office yeah. building, right? I mean, you but get there, 40 people in there. But there are consequences to yeah. your exhaust. Yeah, 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 there are, there are. <laughs> so probably you don't want to launch out of the middle of New York City. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay, but Antarctica is a nice place. Yeah. You launch off of Antarctica. Um, launch in the middle of the Sahara, if people let you do that. No problem getting um, there. Use a few, yeah. <laughs> use a few chemical... Uh, detonators to get you a uh, thousand feet or two thousand feet in hey, the air let, before I mean, you start you know, let's even the, just let's make it orbital and above we'll use conventional rockets to get to orbit okay fine. we'll build a spacecraft that uses nuclear fuel yep you know use chemical stuff to get up to orbit right. and then then you can go interplanetary if there. people are uppity about their atmosphere yes, you know yes i know dumb little green environmentalist <laughs> oh, we don't want to breathe in radium vapor oh, okay fine. So, but <laughs> you could have a fleet of those we know yeah. how to build this ship the ship is buildable yeah why don't we have this fleet why aren't we doing this? well humanity the the public's fundamental fear of radioactives yes Ira and honestly Irrational fear. Irrational fear. There is a reason to be afraid, but people are far more afraid than is reasonable. There's a reason to be cautious. Yeah. By the way, did you see in the news that some uh, guys in Mexico stole a uh, truck of radioactive yes. cobalt? Cobalt yes. 60. 60? Yeah. It was actually an, an, a decommissioned medical device yes. full of cobalt 60. Yeah. Yeah. And, they opened, oh, and they opened it up to yeah. check it out. <laughs> Yeah, and then they just sort of abandoned yeah, it. Yeah, good, okay. Turns, turns out they'll probably be checking into a clinic sometime. I think yeah. so, if they have time. Yeah. But they did recover the cobalt. They eventually they recovered yeah, the cobalt yeah. 60, yeah. yeah. But, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, those, those guys have radiation burns. So they, I, they may not know they do, but they do. Yeah, right? well. They, they radi the radiation protective container was built into the truck. They removed the radioactives from the truck. <laughs> and it was in a secondary case, which they <sighs> subsequently opened as well and then abandoned that. Jeez. Enjoy. Yeah. Fun, guys. Terminal nausea. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we have this irrational fear. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, why, why don't we have this fleet of ships? 
Are you going to pay for it? I want the fleet of ships. <laughs> well, hey, hey, if I had to choose where my tax dollars go, <laughs> if you know, I was given the yeah, ability yeah, to choose yeah. where the amount of money I pay in tax, That's true. I would certainly be pointing it in a direction I like agree. that. Although I think it'd be better for a commercial industry. SpaceX ought to be doing something yeah. like this. I don't right? need to drive on roads or educate my children or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's, no, that's no, we need bullshit. to go to Mars. We need to go to Mars. Yeah, let's go to Mars. <laughs> let's terraform Mars. Hey, forget about terraforming Earth. Yeah. Let's yeah. forget about that. <laughs> I'm not opinionated. Hey, I think I might have pushed a button here. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to have a discussion uh, later. Lovely. <laughs> We did a show a while back. It's only back. because we emptied a bottle of scotch today. That's nice. the only problem. And, you know, our shows are better when we drink. I, apparently. <laughs> we, did, we did a show a while back about asteroid mining. And one of the things, oh, I, yeah. one of the things I talked about was really, it's not about uh, mining asteroids to return stuff to Earth. It was to actually manufacture in space. We started talking about what spacecraft would look like if they were built in space. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I talked about with these transfer orbits uh, that the... Uh, you don't need a propulsion system for the most part. That you can actually accelerate spacecraft up to a consistent orbit between significant between planets. two destinations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just leave them orbiting. And, and they got a conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah, just constantly conveying. Because I think the atomics part of the Orion project is a non-starter for most people. We don't really understand the consequence of the radioactive trail you would leave behind a spacecraft like that. Yeah, now, yeah. certainly you, we've you know we've we've done some detonations in the high atmosphere and there Before. are consequences and there are right? consequences sure the van allen belts get uh, charged particles roaring around them yeah that's Great. how we discovered emps yeah we blew out honolulu <laughs> <laughs> we make a hell of a light show <laughs> it's at least it's entertaining it was <laughs> the more issue part about orion would be interstellar travel so spacecraft like kepler and and others that are detecting these planets like eventually we are going to find an Earth-sized planet in the Goldilocks belt. Sure, somewhere. With the right atmospheric composition. Not only a nitrox atmosphere, but maybe a hydrocarbon atmosphere. Somebody's burning stuff down there, too. Mm. And then what are we going to do? It's like, now you know where to go to yes. find something interesting. Yes, well. So it's like, okay, I'm not comfortable with detonating nukes anywhere in the heliosphere. <laughs> The purview of the greens has grown to there the heliosphere. Now I'm up the, the heliosphere. The so I will build you a spacecraft <laughs> that is going to have that reflective plate. I'm going to use a big laser powered off the sun to accelerate that spacecraft out of the heliosphere. Solar yeah, towards that star you want me to go towards. And once I'm out in interstellar space, then, we'll then I'll let off, off your nukes. dirty, okay. dirty, dirty little bomb. Because we don't care about that interstellar yes. space. Yeah. But even then, the little vacuum creatures in yeah, there, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you make a couple of stinky ground, brown yeah, dwarfs. Yeah, I'm okay with that, right? <laughs> oh my but God. now I have a spacecraft that'll do half the speed of light. The world. And we can, so we pick a star, you know, it's Bernard Star, it's 35 light years away. It's still going to take me 70 years to oh, get yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's going to take five years to, to communicate back, back yeah, which yeah. means the guy in charge of the mission. <laughs> you realize there's only two sees. people listening to the show at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, but we're having a blast. The guy in charge of that mission can't be alive when that mission's actually <laughs> sending back yeah, telemetry. That's right. <laughs> that's the problem, right? It's still not fast enough for everything we've done. It's still not fast enough mm. for interstellar travel. 
Well, I just like to get around the solar system. See, you're just high maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I can do that with gravity slingshots <laughs> and not leave a big stinky trail behind me. <laughs> it takes years and years. <laughs> I can do it in months, at least for inner solar system. Once you get past the, the asteroid belt, it's all radiation and nastiness out there anyway. Yeah. Like, what do you want to go up so there Uncle for? Uncle Bob, whatever happened to extreme programming? <laughs> 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 well, we launched it on an Orion spaceship and blew it out of the heliosphere. I'm, a, I'm afraid. I got your heliosphere right here, man. I'm afraid that's all the time we have. <laughs> oh, it's always fun. Oh, man. I love my job. All right. Do you love your job? I'm on board with a geek out with Bob. Absolutely. We'll, Let's we'll, do it. We'll work one. We'll spin it out. If, if the listeners want it, yes. we can have a geek out with Bob. Let them I'm say yay or nay. Yeah. All right. Let us know. Yeah. We'll do it. Bob, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, always. It's always a pleasure for us. You know it. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 